Welcome to the Teaching Middle School ELA Podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin Mitchell and Jessica Kanata. If you're looking for ways to bring rigor and engagement to your middle school ELA classroom without sacrificing your nights and weekends, then this podcast is for you. Our goal is to provide you with your weekly dose of tips, tools, and inspiration so you can actually enjoy teaching again. We'll help you bring the fun and creativity to your ELA lessons so that your students master the standards and you can leave school when the bell rings. Get ready to be that teacher you've always wanted to be to do great work and thrive. All right, let's dive into this week's episode, which is all about getting your students crushing the standardized tests without teaching to the test, right? Which is something we obviously want to be able to do for our students. We don't want to sit there and teach the test over and over and over again. That gets boring and it's not helpful for their growth at all, right? So if you've ever told your students that your agenda for the class period was all going to be about test taking practice and your students looked at you and they were like, really, Mrs. Mitchell, (laughs) this is what we're going to do. Have you ever had that happen? I don't think I've ever had that happen with my students. I have not had always that made happen. games of it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I you try make to like fun. be preemptive about it. Exactly. Cause I knew going into it. I'm like, this is boring. <laughs> We've got to like, take it to the next level to exactly. make it not boring for them. So we're willing to bet you've probably had an experience like that, or you found yourself maybe in that position where your students just don't want to do test taking skills. You kind of feel like you have to do them because we do have to do standardized tests with a lot of our students. There's a lot of pressure on our shoulders with that. Um, so we want to make sure that this particular episode really helps you, um, kind of ameliorate that problem, right? Get rid of that thorn in your side of of worrying about test taking and test taking strategies and prepping your students for the test and all of that stuff. So what we're going to talk about in this episode, isn't really about reviewing a particular content, right? For a test or something like that. We're talking about actual test taking strategies that will help your students succeed at taking the test. So when I taught um, eighth grade, a lot of my students took the high school placement test to go to private schools. Um, and I always spent like a, a portion of my time on Fridays leading up to the test, working on test taking skills. And it was really valuable and helpful for them. Most of them scored very high in their particular you know, age group and the, the place that they were going for the high school. Um, and it was it was fun. Like you can make it fun. And that's what we're going to talk about on today's podcast episode is this boring concept of test taking strategies and making it more engaging for our students so that they really do crush those standardized tests and you're not teaching to the test. So Jessica, you want to talk about the types of strategies that we'll be discussing. Definitely. So what Caitlin was doing with her students or what you can be doing with yours is strategies like reading directions, right? How do they go about actually reading those directions and understanding them so they can answer the questions on the test? tackling multiple choice questions. Do they skip it and go back? Do they eliminate certain answers? What's the best strategy? How to actually comprehend the reading passages they're facing? Because often let's face it, those passages on the text or on the test aren't super engaging. So we really need to (laughs) front load them with strategies for how to understand them. Keywords they can look for, how to craft really quality short answer responses. And then this one's my favorite strategy, I think, but how to tackle those questions, you know, Caitlin, where it's like, okay, answer part one. And then based on your answer to part Mm -hmm. one, what do you infer is the answer to part two? Or what do you know what I mean? It's like two part questions. And they are so hard because if a student misses question one, then they're really likely to miss question two as well. So we want to really prepare them for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And so 
we know it's not exciting, right? All the things I just went over, you're not really going, yes, I get to teach like <laughs> short answer responses or direction words or whatever it is, but it's necessary, right? Yeah. How can we expect our students to do well on these tests or any test for that matter, if we're not giving them these practical strategies that set them up for success. Yeah. And I always, you know, me, I always like to equate everything to sports or like give a sports mm -hmm. metaphor, sports example. And it's just like that, right. Going into a basketball game, we don't expect our basketball players to be able to win games. If they don't know the rules of the game, right. If you don't know that you can't go back court, how are you going to be able to, you know, not make that mistake in the game and then get a turnover in the game? You've got to teach those particular things, those particular situations so that students or your players rather know like what decisions to make, how to, you know, go about this particular problem that they're seeing on the court. It's the same exact thing that we're dealing with when we're talking about these actual test taking strategies for our students. We want them to stick with them too, so that they bring them into future tests, right? The tests they're probably taking with you in eighth grade or in sixth, whatever grade it is that you're teaching. This is not going to be the only time they're facing a standardized test. Let's face it. I mean, I don't know about you, but I took so many standardized tests over the course of my experience as a student and even getting a, a master's degree and getting my credential to sit down and take the CSAT. I don't, you, did you oh take the CSAT for I multiple subjects? Yeah. My favorite story about the CSAT is my roommate at the time she walked in, she saw the first like few questions and she's like, I'm definitely not prepared. I've already wasted my money on this. I'm not going to oh, waste no. my time. And she just left. Seriously. She seriously left. Cause she was like, okay, I need to prepare for this. She did not have gotcha. the strategies yeah. for taking that test. Yep. Totally. Um, the CSET for me was different. Cause I took for English for single subject credential for English. Mm -hmm. And they were questions like who was the author of X book. And if I hadn't ever had that history of, of knowing that book, I wouldn't have known the answer. Wow. So in some cases, like test taking strategies were applicable, but there were others that either I knew the answer or, or I you didn't know the answer. And there was no way to prepare for it. And it was super frustrating. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine. Yeah. Mine was multiple <laughs> subjects. That, was, that was literally, that was the hardest test I think I've ever taken was yeah. the season yes. set. <laughs> Just for that reason. Cause what else was that? You know, how are you supposed to prepare? Yeah. What am I supposed to do? But for our students, right. And the standardized tests that we're talking about that you are likely having them, you know, or that they are likely taking in your presence. This is different, right? This way we can give them actual strategies that they can rely on their universal strategies. Um, and you know, what we're going to talk about today is going to make it fun, right? We're going to make test taking strategies fun for your students. And at the end of the day, like they might ask you to do this again. You know, that's what we want them to walk away from these activities that we're going to share with you today saying to you, Oh, Mrs. Mitchell, Miss Kanata, can we do that taking strategy activity right? again? <laughs> right. That's when you know that you're, you're doing a good job. You're bringing the engagement and the rigor for your students. So Jessica. Yes. So how do we bring that engagement to our students? Well, first of all, what you're going to tell them is that they're going to participate in a treasure hunt like an honest to goodness treasure hunt with clues, with prizes. And so when you say that, can't you imagine your students already kind of, you're piquing their interest, right? They're getting excited. So even though you're going to be doing test taking strategies, at least now they're excited about it. There's some competition. It's going to be fun. So what you're going to have students do is read through several nonfiction and fiction passages, and then they're going to answer questions that require them to use the test taking strategies that they're going to learn in the lesson. So we're going to walk you through those steps and how you can set this up on your own. But we want you to keep in mind, if you're an EB Teachers Club member, you have access to this already. We have a completely done for you test prep treasure hunt resource, and it includes everything we're about to cover. And you can use one of your monthly coupon codes on it. 
Love it. And if you're not in the club, if you're not an EB teachers club member yet, we would love to invite you to add your name to our wait list. If you go to ebacademics.com forward slash EB waitlist, you'll get the information for signing up for the membership. You'll also see the information page that kind of details out everything that's included in the EB teachers club. Um, so we'd love to invite you to, to join us so that you can one, get this activity, but also it's so much more than that it saves you time planning. It's an incredible community of educators. Um, actually, in fact, one of our teachers posted in the Facebook group this morning that she had done the monsters are due on Maple street activity. Yes, this is for, Misty. It's so cool. Yes. Misty for her observation today. And she said that she got the highest marks in her 24 years of teaching on that observation from this anticipation station act or this anticipation activity that she did for monsters are due on maple street. That's a part of our membership. So and I just thought that was so cool. She also said, which I think is even bigger that being part of the club, she's it's brought back her joy of teaching. Yeah. Like that is so cool. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Just be excited to go in each day and teach. Awesome. Oh, we'd love to do that for you too. Go to ebacademics.com forward slash EB waitlist. All right. Let's dive into to step number one. What are we yes. going to start with? What are we going to start with? Okay. So you're going to do this treasure hunt activity with your students, but before you get into the clues and all the fun stuff, you do have to front load them with information. They need the strategies first. So what you'll be doing is you will be teaching them test taking tips. So here's some examples of things that we include for our students. These are strategies for how to tackle those reading passages and how to best answer the multiple choice questions. So here's some examples. Of course, we tell our students that they need to read the question carefully, but that's not enough, right? We want them to focus on very specific words in the question. These are small words, but they have a really big impact on the meaning of the question. So these are words like not, never, always, except. We want to draw students' attention to those words. We can even have them practice highlighting those words in the questions. What do those mean? How do they impact the question? How does that determine what answer is going to be best for that question? Another tip we always tell students is try to mentally answer the question before they even read the answer choices. Then they go read the answer choices and they choose the answer that best matches what they already kind of thought in their mind. That can be really helpful for students. So after we go into, you know, a bunch of other test taking tips, then we do a review of direction words. And I think this is a part of step one that it just cannot be, um, overlooked. It's so necessary. So direction words are words that students are going to encounter over and over again in all those ELA tests that Caitlin was talking about earlier, right? Whether it's this year, next year in college, wherever it is. So these are academic direction words and students should be so familiar with them that they can easily understand what's being asked of them on a test question. And then they can focus their attention on the actual texts, those passages they have to read and the content. They're not kind of caught up on like, wait, what's this question even asking me? We want to mm -hmm. avoid that. So we need to prepare them in advance. So when I say direction words, I'll give you some examples here. They're words like analyze, explain, interpret, demonstrate, indicate, convey, right? Those are words we use all the time in ELA, but do we ever take the time to really break them down for our students? So I want you even right now, as you're listening to this, take a minute and think about those words I just said and see if you can clearly differentiate or define the difference between interpret and convey. When I tried to do this, it was like, my mind was a jumble. I was like, <laughs> well, I mean, I know what they are, but how do I explain it? Right. And if we can't 
easily define those words or explain the difference and understand their meaning in a question, then how can we expect our middle schoolers to do that? Right. And they're often under the pressure of time. Like they're in the middle of the test. They don't have the luxury of, okay, what does that word really mean? So we want to make them so, so comfortable with those words and doing that. It's taking the time to consistently review the words, define them, show students how they're used in test questions. That's how we're helping to scaffold these concepts and then set our students up to, for success, right? When they encounter them on the standardized test. So we want to walk you through how we might do that when we review direction words. So consider how you might introduce your students to these words. Are you going to do one a day, several a week, a bunch of them in one class period, right? It's going to depend on your class and their capabilities. So you have to kind of determine that. But what you would do is you would define the words. So let's say you have that word convey. So you explain to students, okay, convey means to communicate an idea, to carry an idea or message across to the reader. So you give students that definition and then you show them, okay, this is how that word convey might show up in a question that you're going to see. So you might see a question like, how does the author convey the theme of this passage? So now they have the question and they have the definition, but then we have to break down that question with students, ensuring that they actually understand how to go about answering it. So we tell them, okay, first you're going to read that particular passage and you're going to focus on theme because that's what the test is asking us to focus on. And once you've kind of thought about the theme in your head and you have a good idea of it, then you have to look for ways that the author communicates or conveys the theme to them, the reader. Is it through the character's thoughts? their feelings, their actions. So you're really like breaking the question down and giving students this wealth of knowledge and strategies to tackle that particular question. Yeah, I love that. And then once students have learned or reviewed a specific direction word, we like to have them create like a little doodle note to help them solidify their understanding of the word. And this is similar to what I always did with my vocabulary cards. If you've ever mm -hmm. heard me speak about those in the past um, and on their doodle notes, we have them do the following three things. Number one, they're going to write the direction words definition, right? Of course, they want to have that present for them on their doodle notes. Number two, they're going to draw a picture or a symbol that represents what this word means or is asking the test taker to do. So this allows students to like be creative and kind of make those other um, connections like to text to self, or, you know, how we do that with um, certain personal associations to help us remember words. Like I always use the definition for atrophy. I'll never <laughs> forget what that word means. If you've been listening to the podcast, I'm sure I've said it a million times. Um, but here their image doesn't have to be literal, right? It doesn't have to literally represent that word. The point is to help them remember the word's meaning. So if they have some random arbitrary connection to help them remember this word, and that's going to be what their doodle picture is of, then that's completely fine because a lot of our students might have strange ways to make connections to these, these words. Um, and then number three is they're going to write a new example sentence for the direction word. So how might students see this word used on a test? So they're really starting to think about um, what might this look like when I'm test taking, right? How might I see convey come up on a test in the future? Um, and even better, you can have students actually create a full on test question with that direction word using a text that they are currently reading in class. So that's a great way to, for them to practice um, with these particular direction words. And so by front loading our students with both test taking tips and reviewing direction words, we are really laying the foundation for our students in this first step that Jessica was talking about. 
Because without scaffolding, right, students are often walking blindly into a test, especially if it's a standardized state test, not knowing the questions that are going to be asked or the content that's being covered, right? It's all new stuff. I remember even sitting down with my students when they were taking the IXL diagnostic test and some of the passages, I'm like, what, <laughs> what is this even <laughs> about? You know, didn't even really make sense to me. But if you had those tests taking strategies under your belt, you'd really be able to answer those questions. No problem. Um, so at least by taking the time to do this with them, they have that go-to information that they can depend on to help them succeed. So once students have been front-loaded with these test taking tips and review of direction words, then you are going to go into step number two, which Jessica, you are going to start talking about. Yes. And step number two is all about the engagement. So if you're listening, you're like, wait, this still sounds pretty boring. I don't think my students are going to be really into reviewing direction words. You're right. Probably not. That's why you told them that they would be participating in a treasure hunt first. So at least they're looking forward to that. And you're consistently reminding them, okay, this is all going to be helpful for you. You need to know this when you go off and search for your clues or when you participate in the hunt. So it's keeping that kind of front and center, but now we're going to get into the actual treasure hunt. So, okay. Reminder, disclaimer, this can be, you know, a bit of prep on your part, but EB teachers club member members, remember you've got all of this provided for you. And if you are going to be creating this on your own, like take it easy. Maybe don't do everything I'm about to say. It'll still work if you don't include all the little aspects of that. Perfect. Um, okay. So the treasure hunt includes a few different parts that we want to walk you through three different parts. Actually one, there's the actual reading passages two, a treasure hunt journal, and then three clue cards. So for the reading passages, these can be a combination of fiction and nonfiction texts that students will read. And then they're going to use those to answer the questions that you give them. So think of these as like the excerpts that they might encounter on a standardized test. So you've got that part. Then you have the treasure hunt journal. And this is where you compile all those reading passages into one booklet for the students. And then finally you have the clue cards. So again, if you're creating this on your own, this part isn't really necessary. I mean, you could just give your students the reading passages and the questions that contain the direction words for them to answer. But if you want to make it fun, I mean, you kind of need the clue cards. <laughs> so to make it a treasure hunt, basically what you're going to do is you're going to provide your students with clue cards that lead them to the questions which you've hidden around your classroom. So let me make sure you understand that. So you're giving them clue cards. Maybe the first clue leads them somewhere by the clock. And then over by the clock, you would have a question, a multiple choice question containing a direction word, for example, that students have to read through. And then they use their passage in that treasure hunt journal to answer the question. Does that make gotcha. sense, Caitlin? I'm doing it? Yep. Totally okay. following. Perfect. So reminder though, that when you're doing this, if you're creating the questions for the treasure hunt, you really want to make sure that those questions are phrased like those that will be found on ELA standardized tests. You can, you know, Google examples, you can really go through the direction words that you're reviewing with students and, um, create them. So again, an example would be like, which of the following options best conveys the theme of passage number one. So we're using that word conveys again. Mm -hmm. Okay. So at EB though, like we like to take things up a few notches. We like to make it extra, extra fun. So what we did for our treasure hunt is we made all the passages be about actual real life hidden treasures. Cause why not? That's fun <laughs> to read about. Like students are super into it. And then our clues were kind of abstract. I'm going to read you one of them. Our Patricia, our curriculum creator came up with these and they're so cool. So this is one clue. 
Like the Dutchman's missing mine, these words are not a simple find. But if your group is feeling beat, perhaps you should all take a seat. So then students would have to infer, okay. And the Dutchman, by the way, that has to do with one of the real life treasure hunts. Um, students would have to infer, okay, the information I need to go figure this out is located on a card. That's where the question is under a seat in the classroom. So if you can picture this, like each group, they're trying to find this question, but they don't want to give it away to all the other groups. So they're like stealthily walking around the room, looking under different seats, trying to see if they can find that question. So it's so much fun for them. And honestly, like your room is probably going to be pretty quiet because students <laughs> don't want to be like, Hey, I found it, Caitlin. Right. <laughs> so it's so much fun for them. And then they go find that question, refer back to their passage in their journal and then answer it before they move on to another clue that you provide them and um, another set of questions. I love that because basically what I could do is I, I come up with the questions, I find the passages and I'm mm -hmm. just hiding them. Right. Yeah. And that creates the treasure hunt. So this, what we just described in the example, Jessica just gave us like other level, but that's what we do, right? That's our job. And the academics mm -hmm. is we create super engaging lessons for students, but you don't have to necessarily take it to that level. You know what I mean? You could very simply find short texts, perhaps even in a textbook that you have, maybe you have an anthology that you could grab them from there and just make copies of it and just create those sample test questions that focus on the direction words that you reviewed with your students. So step two, right, is to gather those reading passages and questions for your students to answer, making sure that you include the direction words that you reviewed in step one. And that's basically it. And you just add this kind of like treasure hunt, scavenger hunt aspect to it by hiding the clues, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a simple approach, but it's making it more fun because students feel like they're on this treasure hunt, right? This scavenger hunt, even though when they get to the thing, they're still doing right work, right? They're still doing <laughs> test taking strategies. So whether or not you decide to use our test pre, uh, um, what am I trying to say? Our test prep rather treasure hunt resource, or that you make one on your own. The key when you're doing this is to just balance that rigor with the engagement, right? For if you're doing this on your own and you're not going to take it to like the same level that Jessica shared with the example, perhaps you just put up some posters that talk about like a scavenger hunt, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you do like a mini basic quote unquote classroom transformation. Like that's fun for students. They love that or tell them you're doing a treasure hunt and have them bring in props to get all their classmates excited about it. That's what I did when I did our Romeo and Juliet classroom transformation. I brought in nothing. My students brought in everything for that classroom transformation. And it was so easy to do. Right. I love that. And that just yeah. made me think, Caitlin, if you teach multiple periods, I mean, you could really save yourself some time and you could have like period one, create the questions for period two and period two to, for period one, et, et cetera. So yeah, another option. Totally. You could totally do that. I love that. Um, the key though, right? Like I said, is to balance the engagement and rigor. You want your students to actually be practicing the strategies and working on those direction words. You know, sometimes we can get lost in the engagement part of it. We want to make sure that we keep the rigor in there. Otherwise, why are we doing what we're doing in our classrooms? Um, so with that being said, that is it for today's episode. If you have any questions or feedback, definitely feel free to reach out to us on Instagram. More than happy to respond. And if you're an EB Teachers Club member and you decide to use this particular resource or resources, so we have two yes. um, in your classroom, definitely let us know in our private EB Teachers Facebook group. We'd love to see how it's going with your students. All right. Thanks so much for joining us this week, you guys, on the podcast. And we will see you next week. Bye, everyone.